Glory to God. Well, are you blessed? Amen. As you know, we've been speaking on 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. Love is patient. Love is kind. How many feel like you've gotten more patience? How many feel kinder? How many feel worse? No, don't raise your hand. It does not boast. It is not proud. We spoke of that last week. It's not proud. And today, I was going to rush through the rest of them, but I got stuck on it's not rude. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you got to speak on that. Because I need it. Many of us need it. But I want to just touch on that part about it's not prideful. The Lord reminded me something, and, and you know, it may sound comical. It may not. But when uh, our oldest boy, who's going to be 21 in two weeks, and by the way, my wife's birthday's tomorrow. Why? Uh, hallelujah. So we're excited about that. And June, I make 27 years. We've been hitched, bound. Well, anyway, we've been married. And, uh, you know, when our oldest boy was born, uh, I come from a family that my grandfathers, both sides, and my dad, men don't cook, men don't clean, and men do not change diapers. And that's the background I came from. Well, my wife is a little bit more modern, and she had a different idea. And she, back in, the, in 88, you know, perms were in. So she said, honey, I want a perm. It didn't make me feel so much better about myself. I said, baby, you need a perm. So she said, well, yeah, but will you keep the baby while I get a perm? And, you know, perms are what, two, three hours? Something like, oh, Lord. Houston, Texas at a big old mall. And I had the baby, and guess what? That baby did something. And they didn't have changing tables back then, so I brought the, the, the precious child into the bathroom. And I laid out the mat on the floor, and I got all the wipes. And, you know, I, I was Mr. Koo. I had my BK tennis shoe, high-top tennis shoes. I had my Z Cavaricci jeans, and I had the shirt. Man, you know all that look back in the 80s, you know, MC Hammer. Can't touch this. Boom, 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 boom. Anyway, I had all that look going, and I got this kid on the floor on this thing. And, I mean, you know, I get, I'm getting it everywhere. I'm getting it on me. I got the wipes, and I'm thinking, my daddy didn't do this. My grandfathers didn't do this, and I'm doing that. But in the middle of that mess, I bonded with my kid. And I changed the other two. Even when my dad was being taken care of by hospice, I changed my dad. You know, maybe I should have got a job changing diapers. I don't know. You know, the nursery changes sometimes 17 in the morning. Now, that's not bonding. That's something else. God bless them. But by changing, by changing my baby's diapers, and uh, I, guess, I guess you changed that sweet little one you just got, huh? There's a bonding. I was willing to humiliate myself, humble myself. And some old guy came through the door, you know, has cowboy boots and all that. And he used to came in and he goes, well, I don't pity you. He closed the door. It was so strong in there. Nobody wanted to come in. But it's by humbling myself... I bonded with my kid. And the Lord reminded me, he says, that's when you, you know, what did I come to this earth for? But to change filthy lives. And when my children, I humbled myself, and when my children are willing to humble themselves, then I am able to bond, and you are able to bond through humility. That there's nothing you can do to turn me off. Maybe turn away. 
to tell you, no, I can't. You just gonna have to stay in that filth. He loves you so much. No matter how hard it was for me those first few times, I could not let my child stay in his own filth. And our God is so loving and so good, he cannot allow us to stay in our own filth or your loved ones. And so we're going to get to the second point today, and I want you to go ahead and play. we got something real special to lighten you up here, and we got a, a commercial that's going to bring in what we want to say today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I understand we have some at the table on discount today, right? Hallelujah. How many would like to have some of them? Huh? Well, to be spiritual like my wife, she goes, that's what the Holy Spirit does in front of our mouth. Well, that's true. Sometimes I need a whole lot more Holy Spirit <laughs> to watch over. But how many of you know we live in a world that is rude? Have you, do you ever come across people who are rude? And I believe what the Holy Spirit is saying and what he wants to say today was, even though we come into contact with people who may be rude, doesn't mean we have to get down on their level and be rude back. You know, I heard about this man who was taking a ride in the country, and he was just enjoying. And some, he had his window down, and some lady passed by it and hollered, Pig! And he hollered, Hog! <laughs> Turned the corner, hit a pig, and crashed. <laughs> so I guess that taught him, huh? <laughs> she was just trying to help. <laughs> how many... How many <laughs> How many of you know you just never know what's around the corner, so we better listen? But how many of you know that, I mean, it, it is just, you know, I, I thought I would use a few examples. I looked up T-shirts, and I couldn't stay on the website very long because, boy, I looked up rude T-shirts. Don't do it. Oh, my word. Man, do you know that rude is the style, the going thing? You ever seen the shirt, I'm with stupid? I mean, you know, it's just the style. It's the thing to be rude. And I can't go into other stuff that they were saying, but uh, I'll, I'll give you a few things that I can say. For example, is this seat empty? The lady responds, yes. This one will be empty the minute you sit down. Are you always this stupid or are you making a special effort today? I don't know if you turn the other cheek. That one's just as ugly. See, that's what I mean by dark and handsome. When it's dark, he's handsome. Here's another battle. Are your parents siblings? <laughs> that one didn't bring too big a laugh, huh? Too close to the truth. Anyway, uh, you know, it's just, it's just hard to go around. I mean, you go, you go to this. I mean, just the other day, uh, you might have had this happen. You go to the register. And the person behind the register has his cell phone, and she's talking about supper. And, you know, you've got supper there you're trying to pay for to get on home so that you can eat it and get the kids something to eat. And all of us, you know, they're, they're busy talking. And uh, can you tell how much that is? Way I'm talking. And, you know, have you ever come up across an angel behind the register? How about behind when you're driving behind somebody? Anybody rude with a cell phone? I mean, them cell phones are, you're talking to somebody and their cell phone goes off and, and they just start talking right in front of you and, you know, you're about ready to cry. You're sharing your heart out and they got to talk on the phone. It's like I told my kids, you know, when they, for Christmas, they all got a cell phone and we, we started sitting around the table to eat and I thought I was in a beehive. All of a sudden, I started hearing, 
And they all had their telephone, their cell phones on vibrate, and it's just like a beehive. I said, y'all going to have to leave them things in the room. I said, y'all making me nervous. Y'all just going to have to put those in the room, and when it's family time, it's family time. No cell phone. But, you know, there's just something about root. How many of you know, do you know what I used to get whipped for is cool now? Do you know it's not only the guys who belch the loudest now, it's the girls? Man, that's how they're picking out their girlfriends. Whoa, you're a cool girl. Come on, let out another one. Well, I like you. My mama would have skipped me alive for being rude like that. But now it's the style and all these different things. But the Bible says that love is not rude. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in our lives so that in, the, in, in our house, in our marriage with our children, people we work with, the bosses, the other employees, that we can learn to keep ourselves under control through the love of God that has been poured out by the Holy Spirit. You know what I like about that word poured? It's like the widow's oil. The Holy Spirit pours it out and it never stops pouring. You may think, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't see how I can walk in love anymore. And the Lord says, no, I've got more love to pour into you so that more love can pour out of you. I've got more patience and kindness to pour into you so that more love and patience can pour out of you. Because the Lord wants to do some healing. And this word, love is not crude. It means it's not becomingly. It's not indecent. It's not unmannerly. It's not disgraceful. Love does nothing to shame oneself. That's important. We'll get back to that in a minute. Love is orderly, controlling. It, it behaves and treats all people with respect, honoring and respecting who they are. So how many, according to the Bible, it's cool to be not rude. Amen. It's cool to be loving. And so let me give you a a few more things here. Uh, Do you want people to accept you as you are or do you want them to like you? That's a T-shirt. Do you have a terrible, empty feeling? Yes. It's your skull. (laughs) Listen to this one. Here's 20 cents. Call all of your friends and bring me back to change. I don't think you're a fool, but then that's my opinion against a thousand others. I'd like to help you out. Which way did you come in? (laughs) I'll never forget the first time we met, although I'm still trying. I'm busy now. Can I ignore you some other time? Isn't that sad? I hear somebody, oh, if I throw a stick, will you leave? (laughs) I'm trying to imagine you with personality. Nice perfume. Did you marinate in it? (laughs) So, I mean, here's all these things. And like I said, you could stay all day, you know. Of course, we don't want to, you know. And I'm not trying to offend nobody this morning. But it's just the world we live in. People being rude. And, you know, people, people in church can be just as rude as people in the world, if not ruder. Do you know that there's people who don't want to go to church because they went to church? And, you know, when we're rude with people, usually it's because we see, we don't know that we're seeing people through our own eyes of how we see ourselves. It could be learned behavior, it could be temperament, but a lot of times we are busy judging people and we judge them and then we're rude to them according to our judgment. And Jesus was never that way. The religious, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they judged and they treated people according to what they saw. 
Jesus loved and he treated him according to his heart. That's how God wants the church. But do you know how the church has been? Even in this area, people, I heard this story about this one lady went to a church right here in, in, in this area. And because she wore a certain type of clothes, she was told one day, you're going to have to leave and not come back anymore dressed that way. You know what? Come to find out, that's all the clothes she had. And she was, at least she was going to church. She was going to church, bringing her children to church. But because she didn't have the right type of clothes and it was not proper for church, would you please not come back? Well, you know what? She didn't. And I don't know if she's going to church anywhere now. I didn't know the lady. It wasn't this church, if you're wondering. But you know, there's so many times we could be so rude and judge people. I know I was a traveling minister for years when we'd come back from the mission field. And, you know, uh, you go places and, you know, a lot of times, especially since you're a missionary, they give you, uh, we'd get uh, old, holy, used underwear and used tea bags. And because, yeah, that's what we would get. Because they said, since you're a missionary, you rough it, you, you, you don't need new. Here, take the used underwear. Holes in and everything else, you know. But we were holy. And, 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 you know, a lot of times, you know, you were treated different ways. But the thing I found that when a pastor would start treating me a certain way, like uh, different things, I would say, well, listen, can I, can I go with you? And I'd go, even if it was a child soccer game or something, and I'd go with them and, and I'd start talking to the child. And even though people are rude to us, doesn't mean we have to sow it back to them. Because if we stay, if we just walk in the love of God and instead of being rude, and, and you know, there was this one time I preached at a church and the pastor got up and he said, okay, before we pick up this missionary and offering, uh, y'all just remember, we need to buy a new gravel in the driveway and, you know, we need your money. So, you know, y'all give to him, but remember, we need it worse. And, you know, that just makes you feel like, well, you know, I really feel welcomed here, you know. And sometimes I've given the offering back, say, well, it sounds like you need it more than me. And uh, it was the truth. We were starving. We needed it. But, you know, it's just about sometimes not being polite, not being mannerly, not being sensitive about the other person. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that what this is showing us about not being rude is being careful about how we say things and, and who we say things to. Because I don't know about you, but I've put my foot in my mouth a bunch of times. And you never know what the other person is going through. For example, you know, there's been a few weeks now, um, you might have seen my wife not standing up for worship or, or uh, sitting down during worship. And people can think, well, how rude can you be? There's the pastor's wife. She's not even standing up for worship. I tell you, I guess she don't have to stand up for worship. Well, she sprained her ankle. And it's been pretty big at times. And so sometimes she's had to sit down for a sprained ankle. Now, we are so fast to judge... That we say, will you look at her or will you look at him? And, you know, I've been guilty of it too. And according to the Holy Spirit, that's rudeness. And I've been guilty of that. When I was going here to a boy's back when I was in eighth grade over 30-something years ago, um, me and this girl started liking each other in band. She was a good Christian girl and she was real sweet, you know, real sweet temperament and everything. And so we started talking and we were going to sit together in the basketball game. Well, on the way to the basketball game... Uh, she was humpback, and uh, and I, I said, uh, why, are you, why are you humpback like that? And I just saw the tears just start coming in her eyes, and she never spoke to me again. I don't blame her. I was stupid. I was rude. And, you know, uh, about 16, 17 years ago, I was, we were with some real dear friends in Argentina, and uh, we were telling jokes, laughing, having a good time. 
And all of a sudden, uh, I tell a joke about um, some, we call them in Spanish, Opus, some slow child eating ice cream. And I told this joke thinking it would be a good laugh. But then after that, I saw his face and he didn't laugh. He didn't smile. We had been having a good time. And he looked at me and then I remembered his brother had Down syndrome. And there I had told a joke that I thought would just make everybody laugh. And I just made a fool of myself. And then about two years later, I had a second child and he was autistic. And he had to go to school with Down syndrome children and autistic children. And I started learning how to love those type of children to where I can still this day go up to one and hug them and love on them and talk to them where before I used to be scared of them. And, you know, I have really, really, really many times really put both feet in my mouth. I have been rude and inconsiderate. And, you know, I believe this series, if it's something, I need it. Because there's so many times we see things and, and we wonder things. There's a scripture in 2 Thessalonians. I can, I can give it to you later. It says, in King James English, it says it's so clear. It says in verse 16 there, I believe in chapter 4, it says, Let brotherly love increase more and more. Then it says something very interesting. And mind your own business. And mind your own business. And I started thinking, yes, Lord, that's how I want to be. And that's the type of church I want. Because let me tell you something. Curiosity and gossip is rude. There are people going through circumstances. There are children whose parents are going through circumstances. There are marriages that are going through circumstances. There are people going through circumstances. And it's none of your business. They're not accountable to you. I am working with them. We are loving them. We are ministering to them. But it's none of your business. If I always wonder, if you're so interested about this person, why are you asking other people? Why don't you call that person on the phone and say, hey, how are you doing? Come on, church. Come on, church. Well, how is so-and-so doing? You, you need my mama... Preachers would start gossiping and my mama would start singing at the table, Amazing Grace. She'd just start singing Amazing Grace and everybody would shut up. I want to start singing Amazing Grace when people ask me about other members. I'll start singing Amazing Grace where I say, You know what? You're so burdened about them. Won't you give them a call? Won't you give them a call? Instead of trying to find out stuff from other ways, you call them. Because being nosy and being curious and having nothing to do is just... Plain rude. Well, you know what? I discerned something was wrong with that couple. I just knew they were going to separate. I just knew there was going to be a problem here. I just knew there was going to be a problem there. Well, look, if you're such an intercessor, why don't I see you on Tuesday nights? When we have the names of the people asking for prayer on Tuesday nights and we have an hour of intercession and we're interceding and travailing, if you have a heart for people, where are you on Tuesday nights? Rudeness. We want everybody to feel comfortable in Word of Grace. And I want to get t-shirts that say, no perfect people allowed. And we all wear the same t-shirt. So we don't have to worry or try to get into other people's business and affairs or try to figure out why are they like that? Why are they like this? Listen, just give them to the Lord. 
and love them. And if the Lord puts puts them on your heart, call them. Don't call somebody else asking about them. You call them. Look at your neighbor and say, you call them. Say with enthusiasm now, you call them. Now, am I telling the truth or am I not telling the truth? You know, we, 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 we judge people by what we see or what we feel, what we're going through. And, and you know, they have proven, I'll read to you in a few minutes by science, that what, what we think is connected to an optic nerve. And so what we see and what we think connect and it forms an opinion and it stays there until we can destroy it. That's why it's important to read the Word of God so that we can read about love and patience and peace and destroy what has been formed there by seeing things in the natural instead of seeing things in the Spirit. Huh, Sister Linda? I've got two Christian psychiatrists here. I mean, they, I mean, boy, they, they'll tear you up and tear you apart and build you back together again. And it's true. People form an opinion and it just gets stuck there and then we end up seeing other people that way. So we've we got to learn to get through this. Because you know what? Let, let let me share something else with you because we really want to i'm pastoring you so and i told you the jokes and i always tell you if i tell start off with a lot of jokes it's because i'm gonna lay it on thick later but you know let me share something else with you that we have to be conscious of some people are raised on the streets and it wasn't their fault some people are raised in rough families you know my wife and i lived in latin america for 18 years and los latinos and we can, you know, people say, boy, it sounds like they're fighting. No, we're just talking Spanish. <laughs> and in Spanish, you know, a, a, a cute nickname is to say, hey, fatso, gordito. That's fatso in Spanish. Hey, gordito, bring me some water, throw me agua. And they, oh, I wouldn't dare call my wife or my, my, my husband that. But in Spanish, it's part of the culture. But let me give you another example. When Cody was just a little baby in a stroller, we went to the Italian market in, in Pennsylvania. And so we were walking down the Italian market and Cody was crying. And a little Italian lady came out of the store and she started tapping Cody. Hey, baby, don't cry. And she looked at my wife and, and she said, if you let this baby cry, I'll kill you. <laughs> but you know, as you come to hang around the Italians and, and love them, that's just part of their culture. She didn't want to kill my wife. She just talks that way. But you know, whoa, how rude. No, that she's just being her. She's really showing love by telling my wife she's going to kill her. <laughs> and that commercial, you know those little things they had over the mouth? That doesn't exist. We have to learn to control the tongue. But you know, one thing we got to consider... Some people just, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. We're all growing. We're all changing. I know I told you two stories and you probably think I'm no good and this and that and the other. But yeah, I believe we're coming to the day where pastors are not going to be preaching, trying to make themselves look good. But they're going to be down to earth and say, hey, I'm just like you. And I need grace and I need the blood and I need love and I need forgiveness and I need patience just like you do. Because the truth is, we're all humans and we're all the same. I didn't come from a different mold than you did. I was conceived and born in sin and iniquity. Thank God the blood of Jesus rescued me. But what I am telling you is many times people are from different backgrounds. Sometimes because of being raised during the Depression time or World War II or or, or different backgrounds, some people talk rougher, respond rougher, act rougher. Some people, because of different things, cannot say, I love you. And people leave and they go, you know, I told that brother I loved him and he just looked at me and said, Thank you. Didn't tell me back. He's never told me anything. You know, maybe he came to tell his own kids he loves them. 
Love is not rude. Just because someone treated me a certain way don't mean I have to treat them a certain way. And I really would love to see the church walk in an area of love where we're not so quick to judge, not so quick to be hypocrites, not so quick to to look and say, well, you know, that person acted like this, that person acted like this. How many of you know, like they say, there are usually two sides of the story. You know how many young men have died in the the war and how many men are Marines right now and overseas because they didn't get the love and the respect and the attention from their dad or their mom or somebody. And so they joined the Marines to prove themselves. Not all Marines, not Casey, but not all Marines. But, you know, they joined the Army or the Armed Forces. They feel they have to do something because they have to prove themselves. And the story is as old as even the Bible of sons wanting to prove themselves to their dad and, and wanting to show that, you know, who they are and make their father proud of them because never have gotten words of affirmation or the dad was always rude like, uh, well, you know, you, you, dad, I'm sorry for letting me down, son. You didn't let me down. In fact, uh, I expected you to do that. Oh, well, thanks a lot. Some of us men, you know, we did wild at heart together. And when his dad went and picked him up, John Edridge, who's a mighty man of God today, when his dad went and picked him up from jail, he, said, he told his dad he was sorry. He says, it's just what I expected. And so, you know, we wonder sometimes, what, you, you know, why are sometimes people the way they are? Maybe it's the rough surrounding and atmosphere that they were raised in. Maybe they work in. Maybe they were hurt in. Maybe they were devastated in. And and, and I want God's love to be in my heart to where I am not quick to judge. I'm not quick to look to try to see something. I'm quick to love and I'm quick to forgive. Because that's what will keep me in an atmosphere of peace so that I can have others in an atmosphere of peace. You see, you come in here and people are telling me, even visitors are telling me, they feel the presence of God in this church. We know God did some pruning in this church. And God is doing a work in this church. And we, He said, I want you to start the year off teaching on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, give, I want to preach on the power or the glory. He says, I want you to preach on the fruit of the Spirit, especially love. And I thought, what's that going to do? You know what? It has done something awesome. Just look at the fruit. You know why? Because in this age, in this world, people need to feel a safe and secure place where they can come as they are, who they are, be received as they are, and let the Holy Spirit, who does the work anyway, do the perfect work. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Nothing based on judgment. Now, Proverbs 18.6 says, A fool's lip will will bring him in strife or keep him in strife, and his mouth invites a beating. That's NIV. His mouth invites a beating. How many of you know that many times that's where rudeness comes in? Just not controlling our tongue, just letting it out, uh, just letting the, inviting the pain to express itself. Proverbs 18.2, the Amplified says, A self-controlled fool has, fool has no delight in understanding, but only in revealing his personal opinions and himself. Just air the opinion. Just speak what he feels. Now, here's some more things I want to share with you about rude. And this is from the uh, uh, Hebrew scholars and rabbis. It says uh, not to be negative towards others, but always try to magnify the good in others. Be kind, be polite. Now, according to Choetz Kaim, which is a Hebrew study book, they say evil and wrong speech to speak or give out harmful information. Now, listen to this. They said this will break down the anointing of God on our lives. And this is what they say. 
by using body language, rolling the eyes, armful speech, using code, a cynical smile, rolling one's eyes, and listen to this. Man, I read this and it made me think and it made me repent for some things I've done in the past. Showing pictures of other people that you know would embarrass them. Wow. You know, the Internet is so popular and you could put so many pictures of people on the web and, and these kids have their Facebooks and all that. And you could put all these pictures of people and they're going, oh, please don't put that picture up there. Please don't picture. Oh, come on. People are going to love it. Nobody embarrasses me. Look at my acne. Look at that thing I had on my head. Look, look, that afro. Look, look at what I look like. That's embarrassing. Don't do that. And they do it anyway because they want to laugh, but they're laughing at someone else's expense. That is rudeness. That's something to think about, isn't it? Something to think about. That's why mamas, when your boys start dating, take all the pictures of them naked out of the book. Because they may not like that. That's embarrassing. And I know it makes you want to go all, but it don't make them go all. But body language. Guys, that means no more flipping the bird or uh, butterfingers. Like we used to say back there, no more using that, that middle finger when somebody cuts you off in traffic. No more doing this or this or this or all the body languages or rolling the eyes like, oh, you're stupid. That is being rude. And what does the word say? It is not rude. Now, I know there's so many categories and things that we're growing in and we need to grow in in our lives. But the Holy Spirit speaks specifically and He put it in the Word and many other places that we have to be careful and we have to grow in all of these areas so that we can be the bride without spot and wrinkle. Can I hear an amen? Amen. No sarcasm. To value the other's point of view. To practice self-control. To create an atmosphere that is good. They go on to say, if our tongue is evil, how we can... Listen to this. This is so good. If our tongue is evil... Why are we bringing an unclean object into the sanctuary? Mm. I'm bringing an unclean object into the sanctuary. Just like other sins that need to be repented of and put under the blood. This thing, which James says the most poisonous and wicked and harmful needs to be put under the blood. Lord, I repent for saying that. I repent for for thinking that. I repent for my attitude, for my actions. Lord, I repent for what I I said to someone, the way I meant it. You know I said it this way, but you knew, God, my heart, that I meant it that way. So pray, Lord, help us. Help us to conquer these areas that we bring a holy object into the sanctuary out of respect for the glory of God. Derogatory speech is forbidden regardless of the speaker's opinion. There's an old Jewish proverb that says, For each moment that a person refrains from speaking the forbidden language, he merits a hidden light that no angel can fathom or understand. Now, I want to show you something. Look with me in Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24.
Leviticus chapter 24, verse 20. Are you glad you came today? <laughs> Leviticus 24, verse 20. Now, I know you know, you've heard this. You've even seen it in the Westerns. A fracture for a fracture, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. How many heard John Wayne preach that all of his life? But listen to this part of it. Whatever anyone does to injure another person must be paid back in kind or the same way. And you know, you're thinking you're talking about physical harm, but the Hebrews say this also has to do with speaking down and hurtful to a person. Anything we do to hurt somebody, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for every unkind, every unruling, unpleasant, unloving word that we tell others. And it says here in this Word of God, it's not just the eye for the eye, tooth for tooth, but don't give back an evil word for another evil word. Isaiah 28:22 says, Now stop your mocking or your chains will become heavier. The King James says your bonds will become stronger. Rabbis believe that scoffers and judges and those with bad attitudes, listen to this now, opens a door for poverty. Opens a door for poverty. And you can read that. Look with me in Psalms chapter 34. Psalms chapter 34. Why are we not breaking the spirit of poverty? Well, it may be in one of these areas of how we're using the tongue. Psalms chapter 34. How many of you know we want answers? Amen. If I'm doing something wrong, I want to know about it. I want to find it out and I want to correct it. Psalms chapter 34, verse 12. This is the Living Bible. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? How many want to live a long life and prosperous? Okay, verse 13. Then keep your tongue from speaking evil. There's that word, forbidden speech. And your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil, do good, search for peace... And work to maintain it. How many of you know it is one thing to try to get peace into a certain area. It's another thing to maintain peace. How do we maintain peace? How do we maintain life? How do we maintain the blessing, the prosperity of God? By watching and keeping our tongue. The word do good means acts of kindness. I mean, I love this church. When someone has a loved one that's passed away, the church shows up with food and they show up to love and encouraging. That is called goodness. Visiting the sick, uh, giving back that which you borrow, covering embarrassment from the other person. And Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. How many can say amen? amen. Whoever keeps his tongue and his mouth keeps himself out of trouble. And, and, and one of the things we've got to be careful for is the area of insults. How many know insults is rude? Gossip is rude. Backbiting is rude. But insults, and it says an insult is a belittlement verbally of a low opinion we have of someone or something. It's the power of an insult that could be underestimated because it has the ability to have a long-term effect Long after it had been experienced, such as fear, anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, a low self-image, and an erosion of confidence. Insults. That's rude. And as we want long life and prosperity, Proverbs said that Psalms told us in Psalms 34, here Proverbs is saying that what we say can have a lifelong negative 
attitude on somebody by speaking evil or down about them. Well, you know what? I'm going through something in my marriage. Well, you know what? I wouldn't be, want to be married to you either. Or, you know, I, I wonder why she stayed with you this long. Or, you know, remarks like that. They're already saying, I'm dying here. I'm dying here. I'm about ready to lose my marriage. About ready to lose my wife. She says she's not in love with me anymore. He says he's not in love with me. I'm dying here. And then we make a remark and we say, well, I don't blame her. I'd leave you too. That hurts. It hurts the faith. It hurts the hope. It hurts the self-confidence of the people who believe in God for a miracle. Insults. You know who was good about insults? How many remember Muhammad Ali? Remember the, before the fight of Cassius Clay? He says, you know what? If anybody going to hit me, if anybody going to hit me, anybody going to whip me, anybody going to lick me, the only way you're going to lick me is make me a stamp. That's the only way you're going to lick me. And he would keep cutting them down and, you know, he would get in the ring and he would tell them things and just wear them down because he would use a mental warfare on his opponent. Well, how many of us are guilty of using mental warfare on the people we love. Wow. Well, you know, this is just how I am and I'm not changing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's seeking for the benefits of others. And this is what God is trying to put within our hearts and our lives. Indifference is rude. Being indifference. The opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference according to the Nobel Prize writer about being indifferent. Always being sarcastic. Always uh, got to be different and, and, and go against what other people are saying. Other people are wanting and counterattack them. The Bible says in Psalms 15 verse 13, A glad heart makes a happy face, but a broken heart, say broken heart, crushes the spirit you know the life is in the spirit my newborn person jesus lives on the inside of me i'm a spirit being and he wants to love and cherish people but when i've done things and i've lost my joy because of different attitudes and and being rude and rude being back to me and the different things going on and and, and not walking according to the love walk all of a sudden i feel myself losing my joy and all of a sudden i feel that i'm broken and the word broken there means spit, smitten it means wounded it means painful sorrow. It means heartache and grief, anguish, misery. It means heaviness, desolation, despair, dejection, despondency, hurt, suffering, torment. It means a wounded spirit. And the Lord doesn't want a wounded spirit in His body, in His church. He said in Luke 14, He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to give us the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He wants to fill us up with joy and peace and love that we can walk and we can minister. And even when things are going wrong during the day, we can tap into that Holy Ghost. We can tap into the Word of God. We can tap into that worship and start building ourselves up, praying in the Holy Ghost, speaking in new tongues, glorifying God, worshiping God, con contact, just, just fighting against the things that are fighting to steal our joy and our peace and our testimony and sons and daughters of the living God. Now, I know I'm talking to people today. I know, you know, you're not into no gross stuff. I know there's no adultery and there's no lying and there's no stealing. And I know everybody here is good people. But you know what? Good people sometimes even have trouble with their tongue. 
And we're all guilty of areas. I shared a few. I got a lot more areas where I've been rude and it was wrong. But you know what breaks rudeness? Standing up and protecting somebody. I shared this at the last men's meeting. And by the way, we have a men's meeting this Friday at 6.30, tailgate party. All the men are invited to come. But when my wife and I were dating, I had close family members who would use her last name as a, as a joke, as really a, a, a kind of an awful word. They would use her last name. The baby would make a mess in his diaper, and they would use her last name as the mess. And Anyway, it was my close relatives. One was even my dad. And uh, they all laugh, and I'd join in because we're family. I'd laugh, and we'd all laugh. And she would tell me, she says, later she says, Russ, that really hurts me. Oh, baby, they're just picking. Yeah, but it hurts me. That's my name. It's my daddy's name. So one day, and I found this out one day when they did that, I said, Dad, and I called my other family. I said, hey, this really has to stop. I said, this is the girl I'm going to marry. I love her, and I love her last name, and I would really appreciate if y'all wouldn't use her name that way anymore. Now, you could have dropped a pin, and I did it respect. But you could have dropped a pin in there. But you know what? By standing up for her, made me a lot of brownie points. <laughs> but you know, one way we can stop rudeness is protecting the people who are under the gun. By standing up for them. Hey, you don't know them. No, and I don't want to know them. Oh, there's your mistake. They're good people. They're wonderful people. Well, I don't have time to put up. Oh, listen. Would Jesus put up and love and linger over people like that? But I'm not Jesus. Oh, as he is, even are we in this world. We can use all these excuses. And I'm not saying we're perfect. And I'm not saying that we can learn to do this perfectly this year or next year. It's going to take years. We're all still learning. But we can make it a goal. We can make it a goal. We can take it as a challenge. That in these areas that we might be struggling in, we can work on those areas and we can perfect them and we can learn to be an encourager, an edifier. Amen? Because that's what Philippians says to do anyway. Proverbs 17.22 says, Premature aging is because of sorrow that debilitates. Proverbs 18.14, The spirit of man is disposition. His attitude has to do with his action. Rejection is the number one reason why so many people are rude. They, they, they feel like they're victims and they're victimizers. And the wounded retaliate sharp and, and rude and, and chips on their shoulders. And, and a lot of times, you know, people with a spirit of rejection will say rude things to make you reject them. Listen, I've learned this with family. Someone with a spirit of rejection will make you reject them before you have an opportunity to reject them on your own. For example, if somebody that you know has a spirit of rejection, they won't wait till they mess up on their own to make you reject them. They'll say something to make you angry and reject them and just not fool with them anymore. I'll just stay away from him. And they'll go, I knew it was coming. Now it's done. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants me. And that spirit of rejection causes you to make people reject you. And how's one of the ways? By being rude. Being rude. If I'll speak rudely to you, treat you rudely, do all kind of mannerisms and do things to, to tear you down, I'll know you reject me. And you're just one more that I know that nobody's ever going to love me except me in my life. And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. But I pray today that the Holy Spirit of God touches 
and breaks those things off of our lives and breaks those strongholds out of our hearts and our minds because you are a very loving, valuable person. In fact, I've got a special DVD I'm going to be showing tonight of the creation of the human body about how special and valuable you were made in the womb of your mother. Everyone here has a reason to live, has value and purpose, but the devil wants to come. You know what was the number one reason Charles Manson slayed and killed all those people the way he did? It was because his parents, got his, his mama got pregnant as a 15-year-old teenage girl and gave him away. And he went from one house to another house, never accepted. And when he got old enough, he became that mass killer that everybody knows and everybody feared. And he said the number one reason I am like I am was because of rejection. But then last night I was watching the testimony. It's Todd Agnew that sings barefoot, right? Todd Agnew, awesome voice, great young man of God, has a number of CDs out doing a ministry for God. His mama got pregnant when he was 15 years old, gave him away. But instead of him turning into a Charles Manson, he turned into a David, a psalmist for the glory of God. Because a Christian couple took him and adopted him and raised him in a Christian home. And instead of feeling rejected, he says, you know, I don't even feel the need to find my real parents because I know who my parents are, the ones who adopted me because I felt like I was wanted. Well, listen, if God could take an adopted child and heal his rejection to the point where I have my parents... I want the Spirit of God to do that in this church to where you don't have to feel like, you know, well, i got to find my place. i got to feel who I belong to. Listen, I'm believing God. You feel like you belong where you belong right now. And, and it's because you're special and it's because people here are loving people and it's because we want to be a forgiving people, a merciful people, not to look on people about how they are or look down upon different situations or how one dresses or acts or what their outward body looks like or their past or what their past was. All of that's washed under the blood of God into the sea of forgetfulness. What we want to see now is the broken and the spirit healed. We want to see the people healed and uh, the wounded uh, touched so that God could could work on their lives. don't have time to look at it, but Malachi 2 verse 16 talks about a man being rude to his wife, being violent with her. And then rudeness and abusiveness. In Song of Solomon 5, 7, she said, They found me, they beat me, they bruised me, and they stripped off my veil. Listen to me. So many times... Why does that sister act that way? Why is that sister like that? Why is she like that? You don't, we don't know. They were raped, abused by friends or family. There are so many people that have these testimonies and, and have these things that happened to them that were so horrible and unfair. But it was done. And now they need a, a place to be healed and a place to be rescued and a place to be touched, a place where the Holy Spirit can do a work in their life. And when we talk to someone and they may act different or they may speak different or, or, or act or different things like that in their personalities, let's not turn those people off. Can we love them? Can we accept them? Can we reach out to them? Can we humble ourselves and go beyond looking at ourselves and and try to help others?
Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. How many want that? Amen? Uh, the right response for everyone. And, and, and I want to quickly finish. You can later read Philippians 4, 8 and 9. says, Everything that has virtue and praise, think on these things, speak on these things that are gracious and build up. And, and, and I need to have the, the right thoughts and to defeat rudeness and so forth and so on. But the first thing we've got to do, and I'll, I'll end with these points here. If I want to conquer rudeness, I've got to see myself, take criticism, and I've got to stop blaming those who victimized me, those who are treating me wrong, those who are blaming me. I've got to blame myself, go before God and repent. Lord, I'm not blaming my parents for the way I am. I'm not blaming the circumstances I grew up in for the reason I am. I'm not blaming the poverty and the street I lived on. I'm not going to blame anybody. But God, between you and I, I'm at fault for being rude. I'm the one who's got a chip on my shoulder. I'm the one who's wrong. So I come before you right now, Father, and I repent before you. I confess I am guilty of being rude and unloving to my brothers and my sisters. The first thing I have to do is see myself as God sees me, and I need to be changed. Second thing, I've got to forgive those who've hurt me. I've got to forgive those who who, who, who hurt me and, and abandoned me. And the third thing we've got to do, we've got to have hope for the future, that he who looks in the future expects good. And I'm expecting good not only out of my life, but I'm expecting good out of the life of others. And what I believe about me, I'm believing about you. We're going to be blessed. We're going to be happy. We're going to walk in joy. We're going to see our prayers answered. I have to see you as I see me. And number four, we've got to believe God for the faith for inner healing. Whatever's hurt me, whatever my, my, my first mate or my mother and father put me down and, and, and I have a dear friend that on his wedding, his honeymoon night, they were sitting in bed and the honeymoon night, he was an older man, got married, finally got a wife and she sat up and looked at him and says, you are the biggest mistake in my life and got up and left him. He, he lost it for a while. He had to go help, get some help and everything because it devastated him because on his honeymoon night, he was said, You're the biggest mistake I made. I'm out of here. You know what? Today, he's he's been remarried for a while now. They have three precious kids, and all their children are in the ministry doing great things for God, and they're in the ministry. You know why? Because he got some healing, and he went and found some healing. He got a hold of books because back then, if you're divorced, you're no good. You don't have a future. But I want you to know we have a God of mercy, and we have a God of grace, and we have a God of new beginnings. Amen? Number five, last thing, the willingness. Listen to this, the willingness to be comforted. I think this might be one of the most important parts. Most people who have a war or a fight inside of them don't feel like they're worthy to be comforted. I don't feel like anybody ought to comfort me. I feel like I need to live with the guilt I live with. I need to live with the hurt that I live with because I brought it upon myself and this is just what I have been given for life and I have to accept it. Listen, He gave His life for you to have life. Church, listen to me. Please listen to me. Your lot in life is the lot that Jesus paid for to give you. Don't allow the enemy or yourself or anyone else to say there's no way you could ever be filled with peace, comfort, and joy. Because we have a God who's miraculous, not only in signs and wonders, but he's a God of... Did Jake come up here? Jake, come on up, buddy. 
We got a God of miracles who wants to heal the hurts and the pains in your life. You may be here today and you say, I feel so devastated. I feel so hurt. I feel so rejected. Well, listen, the Holy Spirit is here today to meet you and to heal those hurts and those rejections today. Can we stand, please?